HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. Hey, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes. So quintessentially like Southern fare at its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are. People of color in restaurants and how they're not talked about. We get real with Food Network's Manit Chohan. Balance is BS. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was, yeah, I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugarcane with Chef Sean Brock. It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're going to find. You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris. Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks. So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can't go wrong. Welcome to Food Without Borders, a show about food, politics, and identity. I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Today, my guest in studio is Hugo Vera. Hugo came to the U.S. from Mexico when he was just 19 years old and began his culinary career making bread at Normandy Farm Artisan Bakery in Charleston, South Carolina. He soon caught the eye of top chefs like Shay McDonald and Sean Brock. He moved to New York to stage at Cosma, and he is now the chef de cuisine at Atla, an all-day cafe opened by Enrique Overa. Welcome to the show, Hugo. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It is uh, really a pleasure to have you in studio today, sitting, sitting right next to me, looking at pizza outside the window. <laughs> I know, right? It looks so good. It does look really good, and I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> me too. Me too. You brought tortillas, right? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope <laughs> I have some tortillas right now. Assume you always carry those with you. <laughs> um, so we have a lot to talk about. You moved to the United States when you were just 19. Mm-hmm. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Mexico City. Mexico City, mm-hmm. which is the uh, home of all the restaurants owned by Enrique Overa for the most part, yeah? Mostly, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Mexico City and, like, I kind of, like, um, was in, like, the outskirts of Mexico City, but mainly. Mm-hmm. What kind of, uh, what was, like, your, your food culture like growing up in Mexico? Were you cooking a lot at that point or, or how did you learn to cook and what kind of foods were you eating? Um, I wasn't cooking a lot of that uh, for the beginning of my my life in Mexico City uh, but the full food culture was really strong my mom always cooked at home my grandmother all my aunts so usually all the weekends were like spent in family together uh, cookouts and whatnot uh, at the moment I was like more focused in soccer I play mm-hmm. professional soccer for a good amount of time uh, well, I was in Mexico City, and then... You must have been really young being a professional soccer player. Yeah, I started around 10 or 11. You can be a professional soccer player at 10? Well, I started at 10 or 11, oh. and then around <laughs> uh, 13, 14, uh, I got uh, selected. That's, that seems incredibly young. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. And then uh, <laughs> from there, like, it just went on. And then at the end, it didn't work out. So around 18 years old... Um, I started looking to... As an old man at 18 yeah, right? years yeah. old, <laughs> like, like, moving on to my next career. <laughs> um, I started looking to um, other things to do. I got a little bit depressed of, like, that dream didn't come true. But <laughs> um, the other thing that I always loved was cooking. Uh-huh. And obviously, Enrique has always been a name uh, present in there in uh culinary world in mexico well can you just uh like briefly describe who he is in mexico city and i mean he owns in the united states in new york city atla where you work and then also cosma um where you initially worked when he moved to new york but like maybe just speak to his presence in mexico city as like a celebrity chef well like uh like back in the day of how i was related to him uh he opened up puyol and uh he i remember he had this show uh, oh, he was uh, hosting the show on TV. My mom used to watch it, so that's how I was kind of like, oh yeah, like I like I would like to work for him. Like it was kind of like uh, my introduction to him. His own cooking and then, show. Yes, and then I started looking into uh, what Puyol was uh, doing, and it was like one of the restaurants that it was doing um, like a different take on Mexican food. Mm-hmm. So I was really attracted to that. Um, so whenever I, I stopped playing soccer, um, I started like looking more into where I could go learn, uh, like start culinary school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. And my goal at that point was like find a way to go to Puyol and ask for like uh, a chance to, to work there. That never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a lot of things <laughs> in between. Um, so, yeah, pretty much. I started culinary school uh, only for six months. I didn't finish it. Uh, I learned a little bit of baking. And that's how, when I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, I started uh, cooking into uh, baking French bread with Normandy Farms. Well, what was the decision to leave Mexico City? Why did you, got, why did you decide to go to the United States? Uh, so I took... Um, I traveled with my mom, or a trip to my, with my mom to California... Um, it was around like three months, more or less. Um, and then 
I grew up in a really like uh, Americanized culture type of way. Like I was skateboarding before I play soccer, so I listened to these like rock bands or hip hop bands. So it was like really like uh, close with like American way type of thing. Um, so after I moved to California, the person that uh, the partner that I have at the time, uh, she was from North Carolina. So she was about to graduate from college, and she was moving back to the to the U.S. She was living in Mexico at the time, and um, it was pretty much that. I told her like, yeah, I mean, I don't have, I'm not doing anything right now, uh, so I can I can go with you. Um, we were debating either California or Charleston. At the end, um, she being from Charles uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina, we ended up moving to Charleston. So that was it. I didn't knew it was a footy town. I didn't knew anything about Charleston. Before I move, until we got there, um, the first six months I was here as a tourist, um, so I didn't do too much in that sense. I just get to know the city, and then um, I was able to get my residency. So um, that was like another six months of waiting for all my process, and then after that, um, her uncle told me there was this bakery looking for. For people, like he knew that I knew how to bake, so uh, pretty much like he introduced me to Normandy Farms, and then from there I started working for them, and it was kind of like the the door that opened, like the entrance to the culinary world. Like it was never my goal to do uh, baking, but um, I started learning. Like we bake for all, for most of the restaurants in Charleston, so. Um, that's how I started like getting to know people and making friends in in the culinary world, and that led me to meet Shay McDonald. I mean, it seems like it happened really fast. You know, I'm sure it felt <laughs> like it was like a long, drawn out process. But like the idea that you were so young when you moved to the United States and you like got a job, you know, relatively quickly, and then like all these doors started opening. I think that speaks as like a testament to you and your skill, like even if it was very nascent and undeveloped at that time, like you clearly were able to catch on very quickly and like show showcase a talent there. Like I, I always put like all of myself in whatever I do, like no matter what. And and it was also kind of like not being able to um, uh, succeed in soccer. It was kind of like this like feeling of like, uh, I kind of fail, like mm. I need to do something. And I think the um, cooking was the outlet for me to be like, okay, like there's a, there's like another chance. Like even that I was like so young, I always felt that I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty young, but I, I felt like it was kind of like, oh, like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I have like Did doubts. Did you put that burden on yourself or was that like something that, you know. It was, it was more <laughs> from myself. Yeah, because like, I feel like, you know, most, at least in the United States, you're so young when you're like 13 or 14, you're like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut or a ballerina. And then by the time you like enter college, you have a completely different idea in your head of like what you want to be. Yeah. And that's just like part of growing up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like a little bit cultural. Like I think in Mexico City, you're exposed to like a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so you kind of like grow up a little bit like faster or like you start thinking, um, like in, in getting a job, like you want to do like different things when you're younger. Um, opposite of United States of America, I think it's a little bit like. Um, yeah, the United States encourages you to like 
have a very sort of like languid experience and mm-hmm. figuring out, you know, what it is you want to actually do and who you want to be. Exactly. As long as you can like, you know, afford to go yeah, to college. Yeah, so I mean like for me it worked. I think, I right. think it worked amazing. Um, just put that weight on my shoulders and just try to do like what I wanted to do and realize in a young age that I wanted to like pursue something. Like in this case it was uh, the culinary career. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah. So when you were working in that bakery and then you were working with Shane McDonald and, and Sean Brock and like, I guess probably immersed in Southern cuisine, did you still feel like you wanted to eventually figure out how to make your way toward like back to Mexican food or were you still on track to, were you like Pujol is the prize and like, I must figure out how to get back there. Like, um, I always, I always wanted to cook Mexican food. Like, um, um really proud of being Mexican and like I always wanted to share my culture with everybody and um uh, kind of show that there's also like this other side of Mexico where like we're in the same level of the rest now like we 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 can do um contemporary food we can do like contemporary art we can do contemporary music like we can do all of these ex- expressions in uh in the same way as everybody else no, so that's what I was trying to do, and like, um, I think the cooking was the outlet, and uh, Shay McDonald was the person that kind of like showed me a lot of things and uh, allowed me to have this outlet and grow with him. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, did you? Yeah, what like to what you said? Did you come to the United States with an understanding that, like, in general, and Enrique Olvera is certainly one of the people that's changing that we don't prize Mexican food in the same way that we do European derived cuisine. Like it's not typically elevated and as expensive because people have, you know, a stigma in their mind that like a taco shouldn't cost as much as like Coco Vin for some reason. Yeah. Like, I mean, I understood that like I spent some time in California and like, I mean, you, you see the, the mix of, of cultures and maybe sometimes the, uh, misunderstanding, but um, yeah, it was. It, I don't know. It was cool. Like at least for me, uh, being in Charleston, South Carolina, I kind of I was uh, I become a resident. So for me, it was like it was hard to go back to Mexico and try to to work in in Puyol or ask for a chance to work in Puyol. So I started focusing in in cooking in the U.S. and that was the the fun fact that they did. Uh, the festival Cookie Raw, the first time outside of Europe, and it was Charleston where they did it. So one of my friends uh, come to me and told me like, oh, you know who's coming, right? And I'm like, no, he's like, Enrique Olvera is coming. So I bought you a ticket, we should go, blah, blah, blah. And um, that was the first time that I met Enrique, and we kind of like talked briefly. That was before uh, Cosme was open. I think it was already uh, planned to be open, but there was nothing open yet. So he told me about it and told me like, okay, in a few months I'm gonna open this restaurant. You should come check it out. And um, that was pretty much it. That was it. You're um, like I'm moving to New York. Well, like I after that, uh, my partner at the time she has uh, uh, family in New York City, so we came for Thanksgiving to celebrate Thanksgiving in New York City, and Shay McDonald pretty much pay for my dinner at Aww. Cosme, which is pretty cool. Like he knew uh, how how much I wanted to be part of uh, 
of the movement and uh, of this restaurant and this group. Um, so he paid for my dinner and uh, Enrique happened to be there. So he gave me his email um, and his number. And then after that, I went back to Charleston and I didn't uh, came back to New York right away because another opportunity presented to me. Um, so I ended up uh, running the restaurant that I was working with, Shay. And um, pretty much, like, I learned, no, like, he left me the the restaurant, and I learned. Uh, it was, like, my second time being in charge of a kitchen. And he really saw something in you. Yeah, so it was, like, uh, I don't know, I was young. It was, like, some of my first... Uh, I mean, how old were you at that time? Just, at that time, I think I was... 21 or 22 years That's old so young yeah but so you were a professional soccer player at 13 so we're actually kind of <laughs> old so I, I don't know like i i like i appreciate shay so much because he gave me like an outlet and he showed me like so much about cooking organization in the kitchen the whole structure and um at the end of that uh that's when i decide to quit that job and like pretty much, like my parents were visiting Charleston, and I decided to email Enrique, and his assistant put me through um, Cosme, and then they got me in touch with Daniela, and then Daniela emailed me back. It was a Wednesday. She told me like you have to be here on Friday, mm-hmm. so <laughs> I showed up on Friday. Wow. I did my stash, and pretty much from there, I started a year and a half in Cosme, and that was it. And how did the food, I mean, so when you ate at Cosme, that was the first time you'd actually tasted Enrique's food. Yeah. You just had watched him on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. How did it, how, what was the experience of eating it like versus sort of how you had pictured it in your mind? No, it was awesome. Like, I think um, it met any expectation that mm-hmm. I had. And it was just so cool to, like, come to New York City. No, I, I, uh, I don't know. It was amazing. Like, being in a Mexican restaurant, no, like... Uh, in the middle of New York City and then tasting like your your country it was yeah. amazing it was like something that moved me a lot mm. and it just made me want to work like want to work with them like so much you it know like you be f- part of it it made you feel like home like it made you feel connected. yeah like it made me feel like okay this is like this is me no like I'm, I'm Mexican I'm related to all these flavors and this is what I should be cooking no like instead yeah. of trying to do something that I don't know um exactly the flavors like um southern cuisine is amazing but at the same time i don't have no i move until i was 19 so i don't have all those memories no like it's not the same eating a taco that eating uh boiled peanuts no like for me at least the relation in between those like is is different no like i 100 percent uh relate with eating a taco no it bring me back to like growing up in mexico city so it's it's I don't know. That connection was made at that point. It must have been really emotional because, I mean, not only did it remind you so much of home and those flavors, but it was something that you had been really working towards for a very, very long time and and dreamed about. And, you know, your path wasn't entirely linear to get there, but you had put yourself like on this trajectory and made decisions at like a pretty young age. And it must have seemed like all of those ideas and visions were sort of being realized yeah it was pretty I, mean, I don't know it was pretty cool like the whole <laughs> experience it was just um awesome mm-hmm. and then um after that being able to like when i when i emailed him like i was not expecting a response I, this happened maybe like four months five months after this dinner and i was like i don't know if he's gonna answer back like i don't know what's gonna happen and 
I mean, it came true, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so you were at Cosma staging for you said a year and a half. Uh, well, I stash uh, for three days, oh. and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was doing the stash for three days. I just literally, I just wanted to clear my head. As I was running this kitchen, I was really young. Uh, not everything went like I wanted to be, uh, but obviously that was uh, me not having the the experience that I wanted to have. And I knew that I have to keep like learning, um, but I wanted to ser- set the bar higher. Uh, so uh, I wanted to come to Cosme. I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to see how the kitchen was run. Um, so in my last day of staging, I remember talking with Daniela and she uh, told me like, oh, it's, it's, it's sad that you cannot stay. Like, uh, like we would like to have you. And I'm like, well, I don't have a job. So if you guys, I, I don't know if you guys have like, I can. yeah, you know, you have an opening. So uh, pretty much that started. And at the end of the day, like uh, I, I stayed and I don't know, that was awesome. Like I'm, I'm going to remember that for I think the rest of my life, like the time that she told me like, yeah, like it will be cool if you can stay. No, like maybe more words, less words. But um, uh then that connection was made. And then from there, like, I started working in the kitchen and just learning under under her. It's, it's been pretty cool, right? Yeah. And now you're the chef de cuisine at Atla. Uh, yep. <laughs> that's the second restaurant from Enrique and Daniela in New York. Yep. Um, so, so talk about that transition from working in the kitchen at Cosma to becoming chef de cuisine. That seemed like it happened very quickly as well. So... Um, Literally, when I started at Cosme, I was a little bit defeated because of my inexperience. Um, so, see the drive of Daniela that we're the same age, and see like her drive and how she pushes like every day, and how she set the bar so high. Um, it was awesome. Like I think like that fueled me, and it still fuels me every day. Now every time that I'm like. Uh, I feel a little bit, little bit tired or whatever. Like mostly, we talk every day. Uh, she always fills me with energy, and I think that's awesome to have uh, a person like that, no, overseeing you or like by your side as a friend. Uh, because every time that I have any doubt or something, like I think about her and I'm like, yeah, like I need to like work harder. I need to push myself harder or like higher. Um, I don't know that that's how it is and that's why I love my job <laughs> like um, we have so much fun and we just try to do the best that we can yeah mm-hmm. we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk more with Hugo Vera Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. From papayas and samosas to reishi mushrooms, if it's something that sounds delicious, chances are you'll find the freshest, best version of it at Whole Foods Market. They have more than 400 stores across the country, so if you consider pizza its own food group or just can't imagine when avocado toast wasn't a thing, Whole Foods Market has you covered. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store near you. Whole Foods Market. Whatever makes you whole.
You're listening to Food Without Borders on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Sari Kamen. I'm in studio with Hugo Vera. He is the chef de cuisine at Atla, which is an all-day cafe. Uh, we've been talking about his very impressive career trajectory from the time he moved to the United States when he was 19 to now. I don't know how old you are now. You're like... I'm 27 years old. Okay. Here's a little <laughs> baby. Uh, the chef de cuisine at Atla. Um, so to kind of change gears a little bit, mm-hmm. um, when you moved to the United States, you established residency and you were in South Carolina and certainly things in, in the United States have changed in the past couple of years. And w- I was wondering if your impression of coming to the United States, because it was obviously like you had a really positive experience, it sounds like you were able to come here and find work and, you know, meet these great mentors in the South. Yeah. Um have you had any feelings of, like, has your impression of the United States changed at all since, you know, obviously topics of immigration have been in the news, topics of um, Mexicans specifically, you know, have, do you have, have your feelings changed? Have you been disheartened at all since coming here? Uh, not really. Like, I think um, we hear all of these in the news and it's, it's a problem that is happening. But I think uh, as far as, like, my job is just to project no like always good energy and show like uh me specifically as a Mexican like we want just to no like keep keep growing like we come here to do um to keep growing as a person like now the United States is my home now I've been living here for eight years and I've just made great friends I've made amazing people no so I mean my experience are all like overall it's been awesome like i don't have anything um to say against it obviously there's been some changes and it maybe caused a little bit of uncertainty uh for uh some topics in the future but it's still like i don't know i stay with a good um uh positive attitude about it and a objective uh way of seeing things so that's pretty much like yeah. my opinion about it. Um, I mean, how does it feel like because you are representing Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, through food, do you feel like you're able to contribute to like a, like a positive image of Mexico, like with the type of food that you put out, like kind of to the point that we made earlier, you know, like a lot of people think like Mexican food is supposed to be cheap or like the ingredients aren't elevated or this, like, have you been able to see reactions in people like who come into the restaurant who are like, Oh, I didn't realize like Mexican food, could be, you know, so complex or, or you yeah. know, like they didn't know you could experience Mexican food like in a fine dining setting. I mean, that's that's what we we always try to do now, like showcase that uh, Mexico as a culture, as a country, we have a lot more to give. No, I think uh, when you're just canalized or there's a cer- certain uh, perspective put in front of you, um, it's always good for people to go go out there and look for the overall, no, for the whole picture instead of like just get stuck with one side of the of the story, no. And I think that's uh, as a as a restaurant, as a company, we try to do um, project that, no. Our our we're really hardworking people, like we like, no, we we do everything that we do with a lot of passion. And we just want to share our culture, no? And we just want to, like, share it with everybody and show them what Mexico is about. 
uh, show them our flavor. And no, I like we're more than happy to have anybody come into a restaurant, try our food, and uh, give us a chance. No, and that's pretty much it. Have you heard f feedback, like positive feedback, like people who were who had never experienced Mexican food? You know, maybe outside of like. I don't know, not Taco Bell necessarily, yeah. but like just the the typical, you know, chain restaurant that's like burrito, quesadilla, taco. Yeah, no, sure. Like, I mean, we have uh, a lot of people coming through. I mean, after Cosme, I think Cosme made so much noise in New York City. It did. No, yeah. and like position uh, Mexican food in certain level, no, and showcase that uh, as Mexican cooks, we can be in the same level as any other cook. And that for us is like awesome, no? Like that's what we want to project, no? Like um, there's a lot of uh, Mexican talent that we just want to keep projecting, no? And as a uh, Latin American people, no? In our kitchen, we have people for all the parts, no? <laughs> like Latin Americans, Americans, like er, like from everywhere, no? So that's I think that's what uh, we want to translate with uh, with our with our food, and I think as the same as Mexico, no? Me Mexican culture is a lot of, uh, um, like, really kind, no? It's always, like, uh, if you go to Mexico, like, everybody's always, like, smiling and try to, like, accommodate you, like, with something, no? So I think that's what we want to like, reflect. Yeah, hospitality, like, that's what we want to reflect. Uh, Aratla, no? The same thing. We want to receive all the people and just uh, make sure that they have a great time, that they enjoy our food, and they live happy. Yeah. Um, do you have family back home who's concerned when they watch the news? Uh, well, my parents and my older sister, they live in Mexico City. Uh, my middle sister, she lives in Orange County, California. Mm -hmm. So uh, um, they get concerned, but I think they know that uh, the U.S. and now New York is my house or my home. So, like, I think they just take it as it is. Yeah, um, they don't worry about you. Yeah, I mean, you know, like <laughs> they just they know that I'm doing good yeah. and I'm doing what I love. So I think as far as I'm uh, content, they'll be happy, you know, so. Do you think you want to stay here? Uh, yes, I mean, um, I've been here for eight years. I don't see myself uh, kind of like moving out. Like I want to keep growing, you know, in this, uh, uh, keep growing, like, continue my career like keep growing in new york city and um yeah i mean do you think that your personal cooking style has changed and evolved you know since since you started working at cosmo and since you started working with daniela and enrique oh yeah for sure like like is uh, this the kind of food like like if you were to open your own restaurant like would this be the same sort of kind of food that you would be cooking yeah i mean like i think uh every every kitchen that you work like it touch you in certain ways. No, you always take the good and the bad. Uh, but as far as my experience with Daniela and Enrique, it's always been good. No, I always learn like every day. No, Daniela, uh, I work with Daniela uh, closely. No, more than with Enrique. So um, oh, Daniela has like this mind. No, she's always thinking on the next, on the next, on the next, and that's awesome because it forces me to think. Like that, so I think be surrounded with somebody, with people like these that they're always looking for something else. Okay, like what what's next? No, like what we're we gonna do next? Like we did this dish, let's do another one. No, let's make another one. Um, so I think that's that forces me to stay, no, like on my toes and like try to like keep up with them. Yeah. Um, so it's awesome. Like I think uh, 
I don't see them like stopping. Now they're always going. So as like I'm happy with my job. Like You're I'm happy for the ride. I'm yeah. Like yeah. I mean Are there are there plans you think to make to open more restaurants or I mean what you said, like you've Cosmo did make so much noise in New York City and I think it's it's so important, you know, that we, we have those um misconceptions of Mexican food shattered and at least like our understanding expanded of it. Do you think that could happen in other cities outside of Mexico City and New York City? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, um, we would love to open uh, more restaurants. No, that's not a decision that I, that I make, but uh, <laughs> I would love no, to be uh, part of it and like just keep growing as a company. I think as, it's really like, important. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hugo, it's been so great to have you uh, I want to make sure that everyone at home um, knows where to find you at Atla and can stay in touch with you. Are you on social media or are you posting on Twitter or on Instagram? Uh, I'm more in Instagram. Okay. So if you look at uh, look at me, it's Hugo Vera, mm-hmm. uh, HCS. So if not, just go to Atla NYC and then you'll find me in yeah. there. Are you in the restaurant? I mean, it's all day. Do you have to be there all day? Uh, most of the times, but <laughs> I have these... Uh, uh, amazing sous chefs, no, and amazing team. That uh, sometimes they give me a break, <laughs> and I get to do things like this, no. Yes. Come hang out, have a good time. Thank so. you so much for making time to come in today. No, thank you for having me. It was really great to to talk to you, and I really want to eat at Atla right this minute. I've been there, and it is delicious, <laughs> and I can't wait to go back. Well, just let me know. We'll we'll expect from you. Okay, we'll talk. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, The show is on iTunes and on Stitcher, and it's now also on Spotify. So just search for Food Without Borders, or you can always listen to it on heritageradionetwork.org. We'll see you back here next week, Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. EST. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.